Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I hope everybody's hearing me okay. Um, my name is Caroline Chang. I am your host of today's show. Um, today, we um, Awake to Oneness, it, this is our first show, so I, I've got a little bit of the jitters. Um, uh, Awake to Oneness. Our mission is to awaken the world to oneness. Um, we are, um, my, my goal is to help um, awaken everyone to the fact that we are literally one. Science has proven this. Um, spirituality has been teaching this for many, many eons. But when the world awakes to oneness, I truly believe that we will um, have really peace in the world. That's the the uh, whole goal of the show. Um, today's show talk topic is one of suicide from a spiritual perspective. I chose this topic because of my own personal um, experience with the the subject. And we have a wonderful guest today. His, he's an author um, of two wonderful books titled. Your Soul's Plan, and Your Soul's Gift. And um, I'm, I discovered Robert, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you his name. His name is Robert Schwartz, excuse me. Uh, Robert has um, written two books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. And I first discovered Robert in May of 2014, this past May, when my son was in the hospital. Um, and I actually reached out to Robert, and he re- he connected right back to me, and I've been kind of in communication with him ever since. But let me introduce Robert to you. Um, um, Robert, uh, here we go. Hi, Robert. Hi, Carolyn. How are it's you? It's a pleasure to be here. I'm well. Okay. How are you? I'm well. I'm I'm very very good. I'm so honored and so thankful for you to um, be my first host, I mean, my first guest, um, because you really you really um, played a very important role in my life this past year. And it, I had the honor of meeting you in September. So it was, you know, I'm just overwhelmed that you agreed to be my first guest. Um, I'd like for you to kind of... Um, let the audience know a little bit about your story and how you came to write these two wonderful books. I'd be happy to, and I, I just want to say it's a, a pleasure and an honor for, to be your first guest. Um, I, I should begin by saying that my books, Your Soul's Plan, Discovering the Real Meaning of the Life You Planned Before You Were Born, and Your Soul's Gift, The Healing Power of the Life You Planned Before You Were Born, both of them, as the titles suggest, are based on the premise that we plan our lives, including our biggest challenges, uh, before we're born, before we come into body. And in Your Soul's Gift, uh, there's actually a chapter uh, that discusses suicide from a pre-birth planning perspective, and we'll talk more about that later. Uh, uh-huh. For your listeners who are interested, I have a website at YourSoul'sPlan.com, and they can download large excerpts from both of the books for free on the books page. Uh, But to answer your question, um, you know, I come from a a background that you might not expect for the author of a couple of New Age books. I was in the corporate sector for many years. I have an MBA, basically doing different kinds of freelance uh, marketing and communications, corporate writing. And uh, back in 2003, I was doing this sort of work. I felt uh, very unfulfilled by it. Uh, I used to say to people at the time, you know, I have the feeling that if I were to fall off the face of the earth, none of my clients would even know that I were gone. They would just plug somebody else into that role and carry right along. But 
at the same time, Carolyn, I had the feeling, the sense, that there was some kind of higher calling or higher purpose to my life, but I didn't know what it was, and I wasn't sure how to figure out what it was. And so because I come from a fairly conventional background, my first attempts to figure out my higher calling or my life plan were very conventional in nature. I uh, took the Myers-Briggs inventory, and that really helped not at all. I talked to all my friends and family, and I said, you know, I'm very unfulfilled by this corporate work that I'm doing. What do you think my soul's plan for my life is? And they had no advice that was helpful. And so back on uh, May 7th of 2003, I did something that I had never done before, although it's common for me now, and that is I had a session with a psychic medium. And in this session with the medium, uh, I was able to talk with my spirit guides. Now, I didn't even know what a spirit guide was at that time. I'd never even heard the term. The medium explained to me that a spirit guide is a highly evolved non-physical being with whom we plan our lives before we're born and who then guides us through our lives after we get here. And through her, I was able to talk directly with my guides. They said a lot of extraordinary things to me in that conversation, one of which was they said, you planned your life, including your biggest challenges, before you were born. And I'll tell you, I just shook my head, and I said, well, why in the world would I have done that? And they had an answer to that question. They said, you did this for purposes of spiritual growth. So we went on and we talked about what some of my challenges had been, and they were actually able to explain to me why I had wanted prior to birth to have those difficult experiences. Now, Again, I come from a very conventional background. I was in the corporate world. This would have been way too far out for me at that time in my life, except that earlier in the same session, the guides said things to me to indicate that they knew literally everything about me. And I want to share a personal story with your listeners to explain this. The guides made reference to uh, a prayer I had said five years before the interview. I didn't even remember... Uh, saying this prayer, but five years before that session with the medium, I'd been going through a very difficult time in my personal life. I was home alone one day in my home, and I said a prayer to God. I didn't even say it out loud. I just thought it silently in my mind. And the prayer was, Dear God, I can't get through this alone. Please send help. Now, again, I didn't even remember having said that prayer, but the guides knew about it. Through the medium, they reminded me of it. And then they said, Your prayer was answered by which they meant that additional non-physical guidance had been sent. So when you're talking to beings who know everything about you, including a prayer you said five years earlier, alone in your own home and silently in your own mind, it gives them a lot of credibility. So they established their credibility by reminding me of the prayer. And then they told me in some detail why I had planned certain challenges before birth. Carolyn, I can't overstate to you the effect that this information had on me. In the days and weeks after that session with the medium, I thought about this constantly. And the effect that it had was that it allowed me to review the course of my life and for the first time in many instances, see a deeper meaning or a deeper purpose to the challenging things that had happened. So for me, that was a deeply healing experience. And I realized then that I was onto a concept that could bring a similar kind of healing to other people. And that was when I first started to think about writing the book that first came out as Courageous Souls and then was later picked up by a publisher and retitled Your Soul's Plan. So that's how it all got started. Wow. Wonderful. That that is uh amazing that that story. Um well what how I found you actually what like you said um about um your soul's plan you know your your soul pre 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 plans your life before you're born, and I believe that um I was experiencing this past may um again something I had gone through three years earlier um and when I went through it three years earlier i wasn't able to handle it. It was a challenge I just could not handle. Um, my son, um, at the age of 26, in February of, two thousand, of 2011, he was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And his heart was very weak at the time. And this is the first time in 26 years, this is literally the first time he ever was sick. Um, so this really came as a big shock. 
um, later that year, um, actually on his birthday of November 24, 2011, he was rushed to the hospital because he had gotten pneumonia. Um, he was in the hospital for five weeks, and he was on life support. And because his heart was so weak, his body was not recovering from the pneumonia. Doctors told me they did not think he was going to live, and they asked me um, at that time if they could take him off life support. They didn't think he was going to make it. I was in the hospital all alone. I had been pretty much living in his ICU room. And when the doctors took me aside, told me this, it was something I couldn't deal with. And this is in 2011, December 2011. I couldn't deal with it. I, I said, I am not going to bury my son. My son will bury me. And I went upstairs to a quiet waiting room where nobody was. I wrote out a suicide letter. I wrote exactly that. I am not going to bury my son. My son is going to bury me. And I took a bottle of over-the-counter sleeping pills. I was unconscious for two days. So I really don't know what happened in the course of those two days. But um, a week after that, so I'm in the hospital now. I'm a patient a couple of floors up on suicide watch. A couple of floors up, my son is still in the ICU. They allow me to come see my son a few uh, an hour a day, supervised visits. Um, one time, um, the last time I went to visit him at a, with a supervised visit, I actually got close to his ear, and I whispered in his ear, Kyle, get better so we can both go home. That was on uh, December 14th. A week earlier is when they told me he wasn't going to make it. Um, but on December 14th, I said, Kyle, get better so we could both go home. He literally pulled him that night. He literally pulled himself off of life support. He pulled out the ventilator himself. He was in a semi-sedated state, and he pulled out the ventilator himself, and he pulled out the feeding tube himself. The doctors were amazed that he was breathing on his own, and he was fine. Literally, uh, a week later, a doctor said to me that he, he's, so, he, he's so much better over the, he's so well over the pneumonia, it was like he was never even sick. So the doctor's little, literal words were, it was like he wasn't even sick. He still had a weak heart, but he um, got over the pneumonia overnight. And he and I went home, and that was a true miracle. And so here this year, this past year, 2014, he got sick and had to go be hospitalized. His heart was weak. He needed a transplant. And that was April of this past year. When he went into the hospital this year, I, past year, I said to myself, thank you. Thank you, God, for the extra three years. But I felt myself in that same situation I was in earlier, and I, uh, three years earlier, and I did not want to react to the situation the same way I reacted the last time. So I Googled uh, Soul's Plan, <laughs> and I found you. And I reached out to you by, by email, and you, re you connected right back to me. Uh, you and I had emails back and forth. I met you this past September in person, and your your books, while I was in his ICU room, I read them, both of them, and he did pass this time. I wasn't able to bring him home. He passed on July 1st. Um, I like to say he made his transition from this life on July 1st, 2014, but I do believe that was his plan, and he and I planned that together. So your books were literally a lifesaver for me. So that's why I'm so honored to have you on the show today and to share your experience and your story with my audience as well as um, share my experience and maybe be an encouragement to someone else who's going through 
something similar. It doesn't have to be an illness of a child, but something that uh, a person feels like they can't handle, um, to let them know your soul planned this. You know, this is uh, not a surprise to your soul. It may be a surprise to you, whatever it is you're going through, but your soul planned this before you were actually born. And so that is also why I chose um, suicide uh, from a spiritual perspective as the first topic of my first um, show series, um, because of my personal experience with it and also because of your books and how much they they have really touched my heart. And also the other thing I, I realized, too, when it comes to the subject of suicide, we we look for that as our person would look for that as an escape. But like you said, your soul planned this. So your soul did not plan for you to escape this experience. Your your soul planned for you to go through this experience. So even if you are successful at committing suicide, you haven't escaped anything because your soul's like, okay, we got to do this again, <laughs> you know. So um so, Robert, what do, what do you think about all of that? I think a lot of what I just shared is your first time, I'm, you're, my first time sharing all of that with you in such detail. Yeah, I, I did not know all the details of your story, and, and I appreciate you sharing them with me and your listening audience with uh, such candor and strength and courage and sensitivity and um I know I've expressed this to you before, but I, I want to offer my condolences once again. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and, and I'm very uh, touched and gratified that uh, the work that I do uh, has been helpful to you, and that that is the intention of the work, to offer a healing perspective to people. Um, you know, the story you, you just shared raises the point. Uh, it's my understanding, really, that Every death is a suicide, uh, even deaths that aren't viewed as suicide, uh, in Very the true. sense of the person, yeah, in the sense of the person taking their own life, because it's a soul-level decision to end the lifetime, to end the incarnation. So nobody dies without consent, but the consent is at the level of the soul. Correct. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, it's interesting. I recently. Um, was listening to the audiobook um, Conversations with God, book three, and it was speaking about suicide. And it was speaking about, um, in the book, uh, God pretty much said, all death is a suicide, but uh, society frowns on it when a person shoots himself um, and uh, in some insurance won't pay, for the family's life insurance policy if a person takes a gun and shoots himself. But if a person kills himself slowly over 20 years smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, they, the insurance companies will pay. <laughs> so, I thought, so it's basically what you said. Uh, um, all death is a suicide because your soul is in control. Your soul plans for you to come into this life and your soul plans for you to leave. It's no accidents. There are no accidents and there are no coincidences. And even if a life is only for a day, it was a plan. It was exactly how that soul planned to come in and leave um, this life. So this is this is very true. Um, did, uh, did you want to share something from um, your soul's gift? from that chapter that was on suicide with our listening audience? Uh, I would, yes. Um, I should explain here the, the methodology and the structure of, of the books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. Uh, what I did was I would interview somebody who had experienced a particular uh, life challenge. In, in this case, uh, it's a woman who lost her only child, her son, uh, Cameron, to a suicide which took place right after he had graduated from high school. He hung himself uh, with a rope from a rafter um, in the attic of their home, and she came home, found him, and actually had to cut him down. So very, very traumatic. But what I did, the structure of the book, is that I would interview someone about a particular experience, 
And it's all the major life challenges, death of a loved one, accidents, illnesses, alcoholism, drug addiction, poverty, um, pretty much anything that you can think of. And then the person that I interviewed has one, two, or sometimes three sessions with several very gifted mediums and channels who are my collaborators. They have the ability in one way or another to find out what somebody planned before birth. Uh, one of them is actually able to hear the pre-birth planning conversations that we have with those who are going to be in my in their upcoming lifetime. So I put the conversations verbatim into the books. One of the mediums is able to channel a person's soul, a person's higher self. So that gave me the opportunity to speak with the soul directly and ask, what did you plan for this person's life and why did you make those plans? Uh, you'll be interviewing Barbara Brodsky, in one of your upcoming shows, she channels an enlightened ascended master who goes by the name of Aaron. Aaron has access to the Akashic Record, which is the complete non-physical record of every word, action, and thought relevant to the earth plane, including the pre-birth planning. So he can tell people what they planned prior to birth, and a lot of the interviewees had sessions with Aaron in which he did just that. Uh, one of the other collaborators and she is featured in the suicide chapter in Your Soul's Gift, is a woman in the Netherlands, Pamela Krabay. Her website is jeshua.net, J-E-S-H-U-A.net, and she channels Jesus. When he speaks through her, he uses his given Hebrew name, which is J-E-S-H-U-A. I believe it's actually pronounced Yeshua. Uh, but here I'll just refer to him as Jesus because that's the name most people are familiar with. So in the suicide chapter in Your Soul's Gift, uh, we talk first with uh, Carolyn, who is mm -hmm. the uh, chairman's mother, uh, and she tells the story of how she came home and found that he had hung himself. And then we do a session with uh, Pamela. And before we talk to Jesus, Pamela calls in Carolyn's son, Cameron. And here's what he has to say. Quote, when I came here, I was bewildered and confused. I had not counted on an afterlife at the moment I took my life. But there were guides present beckoning me. I was very lucky to see them. I reached out to them, and they told me what had happened. You're on the other side now, they told me, and I was struck with grief. They actually showed me my dead body to convince me that I was really dead. I wasn't aware of this as I was in a state of panic when I killed myself. After I crossed over, they took me to a place of learning and recovery. The first period of time was very difficult. I wanted to go back to Earth, to you, he's talking to his mother here, my family and friends. I could not accept that it was so final. I was full of regret and bewilderment, and it was hard to find peace of mind. I often traveled back to you and my friends, wanting desperately to talk to them, to let them know I was around. Some listened, others I couldn't get through to. Some I reached in the dream state. <clears throat> I certainly got in touch with you. We had some deep conversations with each other during the dream state. You were full of sadness and questions. My guides had to stand by me during those talks because I was so full of grief and sadness myself. I just wanted to come back to you and try again. It took a long time before I accepted that I had done it, that I had really left my life behind and that I had to start over again. In my talks with you, I tried to tell you that I truly appreciated who you are as my mother and that you didn't fail me. No one failed me. And that's the point I'd like to emphasize from this passage. You know, when mm -hmm. we hear from loved ones who have suicided, they always say this. They say, no one failed me. No one was to blame. It was my choice. And they encourage their loved ones to let go of the guilt or the remorse. And they always say, nobody failed me. Now, the question comes up, was this part of Cameron's pre-birth plan? And there's a, a brief passage from uh, Jesus in the chapter in which he explains that suicide uh, is never planned prior to birth as an absolute certainty, but it is planned as uh, a probability, sometimes a low probability, sometimes a moderate probability, sometimes such a high probability as to be almost certain. And he tells us that, that was the case with Cameron. Cameron was carrying into body unhealed energies from previous lives with the intention of healing them. He knew he was taking on a lot, 
and that suicide was actually highly likely. Now, from our perspective, this is hard to understand. We would say, well, if suicide was so likely, why did he take on so much? You have to understand that from the soul's perspective, a lifetime is very, very brief. It's here and gone like a clap of thunder. And if the pre-birth intentions are not fulfilled, there's absolutely no judgment around that. The soul's attitude is simply, let's try again. Let's finish what we left unfinished. And you alluded to that earlier with what you said, Carolyn. So right. this this is what has happened with Cameron. He brought in these very difficult, unhealed energies with the intention and the hope of healing them. He knew that it was not likely to happen, but some souls take risks. Some souls plan a lot because they know, again, that the lifetime is very brief, and if they don't accomplish it, they'll just try again. There's no judgment around that. Exactly. That's so true. That's so true. So I think the important message there um, is that when people think, okay, I needed an escape, I need to escape, and that's exactly what I was trying to do in 2011. I wanted to escape that experience. I did not want to go through that experience. And um, But the soul, your soul planned it, and your soul will say, well, you don't go through it this time. You're going to go through it. So there's no escape. There's no escape your soul's plan. So um, it's it's good to kind of get that across to people who are listening that might be listening or will listen later to this um, podcast that there's no escape. You know, um, yeah, sometimes you're you're like you said, your soul will really. Um, line up a lot of hard challenges for you to go through, but they're they're your soul. Your soul planned them, and you have to trust that your soul, your higher self, planned these challenges for your soul's growth. And uh, when you do really understand that, you can go through it. That so that was why, and how I was able to go through what I went through this past year. So knowing that, knowing that. Kyle planned his um, uh, transition, and I planned on being his mom and going through that with him. So that helped me, and I'm hoping it will help a lot of uh, other people who are listening and also your books, the way they help me. I hope that a person can get a hold of them. That reminds me, I am donating. We have a new library here in Tovihanna. Um, we have a brand-new library, and I'm donating your books to the library because the library does not have them, and they should have them. And I think you have a program. Um, maybe you can mention that uh, to our audience of, about your donating books to libraries. I, I do, and, and thank you for donating them to your library. I, I really appreciate that. You know, Carolyn, since Your Soul's Plan first came out uh, as Courageous Souls back in early 2007, uh, I've been hearing from people who say, I've heard about your work, I'd like to read your book or your books, but I can't afford to buy a book. And there are actually more people in that set of circumstances than most of us realize. So in response to that, uh, I started a book donation program to donate copies of both books to libraries so that they become available to people for free as a healing resource. So if any of your listeners would like to uh, request free copies of my books so that they can donate them to their local library, I will send them to you at absolutely no cost. All I ask is that you take them in and donate them. And it's a it's a way to touch many people's lives. Exactly. Very true. Um, there are quite a few books that I think should um, be like your books that are so helpful that really should be in every single library and available to everybody. Um, so that I, I definitely um, want, I'm definitely going to donate to my library to make sure that your books are in there for everybody to read. Thank you. Um, I think right now I guess we can open up the phone lines. Uh, I'm not sure. Like it's, This is uh, my first show, so I'm not sure how many live li- listeners we have out there. We do have one caller from the 570 area code. I'm going to bring her on right now. Okay. 
Hello, you are live. Five seven zero area code. Hello. Hello, Miss Caroline. Yes, Susie. Hi, Susie. Yes. Oh, I'm How really are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. And, and I'm glad to have Mr. Short there. He's just fabulous. I'm really enjoying the whole talk. Okay. Did you have a question for Robert or for myself? Uh, uh, no, I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think what happened is that I was enjoying you you were under the impression that you had to call in to listen, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. No, you can actually listen online. You only need to call in. Susie is a good, dear friend of mine, Robert, and she helped me with the test show a few weeks ago. And to do the test show, she had to call in. So I think she was under the impression she had to call in today uh, to listen to the show. But, Susie, in the future, you don't have to call in to listen. You can listen online, and you call in only if you have a question. Okay, sweetie? Very well. Thank you. Okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, There was another caller, I don't know, from the 717 area code, but then they're gone. So actually, like I said, I don't, Rob, it's maybe just me and you, which is fine. Um, There's no more callers right this minute, but um, I'm just enjoying our conversation. So I'd like to talk more with you about the subject of of suicide. did um is there anything else you wanted to bring um to the attention of our audience um from that chapter you read um and I also had the uh wonderful experience of speaking with Pamela or communicating with Pamela through um email so I know she um is a very very good um source of information on the subject of suicide so I was wondering well, if you had Yes, ahead, there, there are a couple of things I'd, I'd like to uh, say. Uh, first, just a quick comment on that passage uh, from Cameron as channeled mm-hmm. by Pamela. Uh, you know, we heard Cameron talking with his mother and expressing remorse uh, and grief over his suicide. And somebody might ask the question, well, if his suicide was planned before birth is a very high probability, why is he remorseful about it? The answer to that very good question is that when we first return to spirit after a physical lifetime, very often we don't remember the pre-birth plan right away. The memory of it comes back gradually. And in a traumatic death, as was the case here, uh, that's even more often the case. So that is the reason that when he first crosses over, uh, he goes through remorse and grief in regard to his death. But later in the chapter, uh, Pamela is channeling Jesus. And I'd like to read a few words for your listeners as to his perspective on, on suicide. He says, quote, Suicide is not wrong. Spiritually, suicide is simply a possibility, a choice one can make among others. It is not necessarily the worst choice one could make. Let me explain. Sometimes a person can get so stuck in a certain mood, a state of mind, that it is very hard to get out of it when taking, without taking drastic measures. Life is all about change. If you get stuck in one state of mind for a very long time, it becomes unbearable, and life itself will force you to do something, even if it means you take your life. While physically alive, he, Cameron, could not feel his love for his family anymore. When dead, he realized the full extent of his love, and from the soul's perspective, this was a great breakthrough. The suicide forced change upon Cameron, and in his case it worked out well. It was a turning point for his soul. What he's referring to here is that very often uh, one of the main components of a pre-birth plan is simply to learn to love better, to give and receive love. And that was the case here with Cameron. But because uh, he was so depressed while he was here in body, he couldn't feel his love for his family, and he couldn't feel their love for him. So what Jesus is referring to 
is that when he's out of body, when he returns to the other side, now from that perspective, he can much more strongly feel his love for his family and their love for him. And so this is the turning point for his soul that Jesus is referring to. So Jesus continues, I only wish to state that from a spiritual perspective, there are no acts that are absolutely wrong or sinful. The deepest act of self-betrayal can lead someone into a state of inner clarity that may help forever. The darkest point may become the starting point for a new direction, toward light. You see, spiritual evolution does not proceed in a linear fashion. It uses the polarities of light and dark to create dynamics and change. In saying this, I wish to take away the traditional judgment about suicide, that it is the gravest sin. God or spirit does not feel this way. God has the greatest compassion for people who take their lives in despair. There is always help available for them on the other side. They are never abandoned. So there you have a few words directly from Jesus uh, on his perspective on suicide. One, that is so wonderful. And also, it's so wonderful that you touched upon the non-judgment. Um, that, in my spiritual growth, I, I am so much embracing. There is no right and wrong. There is no judgment. Um, a lot of that comes from my understanding of oneness. Um, when you realize and understand that you and the other are one, I, I liken it to being a cell in God's body, like we're all cells in, in the body of God. And we're all connected. We're all not just a part of God, but we're all a part of each other. And when you realize that, that takes away that judgment. You, you understand that person, and you understand that person is a divine light. You are a divine light, and they are a divine light. And maybe they, they'll do things not the way you would do it, but you don't have to place a judgment on what they're doing. Um, and from from my standpoint, when we recognize that we are literally all one and all connected, there is nothing but God, and we are all a part of God, we can never be separated from God, so there's nothing to fear. And like you said, there should be no judgment. Um, it's no judgment with suicide. There should be, um, but there also should helpfully the understanding so the pe- people don't, take that drastic act to understand that there's no escape. You're not going to escape whatever situation you're trying to escape if your soul plans for you to go through that experience because your soul knows much more. Your soul planned it for a higher purpose, for your soul evolution, and there's no escape but also no judgment. Um, so that that's beautiful what you just shared with the audience because that truly does bring us to a point of non-judgment. Um, I also, um, listening to Conversations with God, Book 3, the other night, um, uh, he, a book called Stephen Lives was mentioned for the first time I'm hearing that, and I got a chance to speak with Anne, the author, today and her son had committed suicide and she communicated with him i have to read the book i haven't read it yet uh, but she also is going to be a guest on the show in a few weeks and as you mentioned barbara will be uh, next week and will be the week after and corby will be um april 3rd so um barbara and corby corby I know helped you or collaborated with you on writing your books. So it's such good information um, that we are sharing, you are sharing with the world by your work. And my hopes with this show, new show, first show today, but my hopes with the show is to um, just introduce these wonderful books, this, this wonderful material to the world, to people that may not have been exposed to them in other in other ways. So that I I really really am so thankful. Um, even my son, when he um, before he went into uh, major surgery, um, he never got he was in 
he was supposed on the waiting list for a heart. He never did get a heart, um, but his heart got so weak that they had to do some major surgery even before transplant could be done. Um, when he went into major surgery, uh, that was May 28th. The last thing my son said to me um, was, Mom, I don't want you to wait alone because um, I was going to wait in the waiting room, and it was a nine-hour operation, and I was alone. And I said, I just said to him, don't worry. That's the last thing I wanted him to think about going into major surgery was me. I didn't want him to worry about me. And I said to him at um, his funeral, um, I'm never alone. I know that now. I know even if there's no one in the room, there's no one I can physically see, I know I'm never alone. I know I'm never alone because I know I'm surrounded by spirit guides and angels, even if I can't see them. And I know that everyone, the 7 billion or 8 billion, I think now it's 8 billion people on the planet, I know I'm connected to every one of them, um, literally, not just uh, figuratively. I'm literally connected to everybody. We're all one, so I know I'm never alone. So that was my answer to him um, when he, um, even though he wasn't here physically, I know he was there spiritually, and I know he's with me every single day. And I speak to him every day, and I know that um, I know that now that he's in spirit, that he knows that too. So um, it's very, very good to to understand who we are, who we truly are on the spiritual level, and who, uh, why we came. Even if I still don't have an absolute reason, know why Kyle and I chose that challenge to go through. You know, together, I don't know why his soul um, planned to leave this life at 29 years old. I don't know why my soul planned to lose a son. Um, but you don't have to know the why of it. As long as you know that your soul planned it, then you can make peace with it and not agonize over it and move on with your life in a positive way. So that's uh, very, very encouraging for me. Um, did you um, want to share anything, anything, anything that you're coming up, any events that are coming up that you like to share with the listening audience, any speaking engagement? Like I, I got a chance to meet you at the Edgar Casey Center in Virginia Beach. You were speaking. You actually were speaking on my mother's birthday. I don't know. I'm sure I didn't share that with you that day we met. I didn't know that, um, no. Yes, September 27th. This past September 27th, my mom, if she um, would have been living, she would have been 90 years old. So I actually met you on my mother's 90th birthday. And that was one of the reasons I said to myself, I have to go meet you. It was just too many things. You were there. You were about six hours away. And it was on my mom's birthday. And my spirit said, I have to go. I have to go meet you. And I, I was so glad I did. Yeah, yeah. And I also said to my mom, that uh, 2011 was a very difficult year for me. Um, my mom passed that year. Um, 2011 March meant uh, the anniversary of her death just passed. She passed on March 11th, 2011. And I did say to my mom um, before she passed that I don't believe in death. Um, I only believe in eternal life. That uh, light, you know, when what we call death is just the transition. It's just the spirit moving on to a, another adventure. We'll call, I'll call it an adventure because life is an adventure. And life is eternal. There's no such thing as death. It just transforms, but no no death. So I, I remember saying that to my, my mom. But And my son was diagnosed with congestive heart failure the month before she passed. So he's diagnosed with congestive heart failure in February of 2011, and then my mom, which she never was told, 
she was in the hospital, and she was never told about her grandson's um, diagnosis. Um, and she passed a month later. Uh, then I went through what I went through in December of 2011. So a very tough year for me. But um, and then this year, the 2014, this past year, with losing my son. Um, but I I woke up um, in the middle of the night on January 7th of this year, 2015, and my spirit said, "Just do it." And it was speaking of the ideas that I've had, like the ideas for a nonprofit foundation in my son's honor um, to help. Um, awaken the world to oneness and the blog talk radio show just kind of like okay I could do this so the, my spirit told me in the middle of the night 1.30 a.m. January 7th get up and do it don't think about it just do it and so I'm just kind of following my my spirit the guide of my spirit um, so and I and oh Ah, uh, we have a question. Hold on. Uh, someone else calling from 570 area code. Uh, i got to keep my eye on this panel. Hello? Uh, you, are, you are on the air, 570 area code. Hello? Hi, Caroline. It's Hi. Joanna. How are you? Hey, Joanna. I'm really enjoying now, your show. Thank you so much oh, for doing this. You're such an inspiration. Thank you so much, Joanna. Did you have a question for Robert? I do. Um, I've really enjoyed your book, um, the Souls, Your Soul's Plan. And um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the plans that we make with other souls before we get here, when we're in the non-physical, and also um, about the challenges that we face when we're here, because sometimes it seems that the same lessons keep showing up over and over and over. So I was yeah, wondering if you could like the, a little bit of yeah, that. I'm sorry, see, kind of like the lesson I had to go through with my son <laughs> more than one time. <laughs> but, yes, that's a good question. So, Robert, uh, how, the, how do we um, about the, how do we deal with the soul agreement? How can you best explain that for us? Well, the the soul agreements are plans that we put in place with all the significant people uh, who are going to be in the upcoming lifetime, and a lot of people that, from a human perspective, we would consider not to be all that significant, but even though they're only in our lives very briefly, from the soul-level perspective, they can play a very important role because they uh, have a big impact. They can bump us or nudge us back on the path if we've fallen off of it, so to speak. So my understanding is that we plan all of the major experiences that we have. Uh, The bigger an experience is, the more important it is to you, uh, the more likely it is that you planned it prior to birth. Uh, The challenges do tend to come back around if you don't learn the underlying lessons. Uh, I'll share a, a quick story from my research. This is not in either of the books, but I interviewed a woman who uh, is now in her 40s, but uh, at the time of the story, she was in her 20s, and she and her daughter, who was then seven years old, were at a swimming pool one summer. The daughter was playing uh, in the water. This woman was lying in a lounge chair in the sun next to the pool. All of a sudden, the daughter jumped up out of the water, ran over to her mother, And mind you, this is a child who previously had never said anything unusual. She said to her mother, you're not waking up the way you and I planned together before we were born, so you're going to have to have a really bad accident. Well, the mother was horrified, partly because the daughter was saying such strange things, but also partly at the idea of having to have an accident. Sure enough, not long thereafter, she had a car accident which did not trigger a spiritual awakening. About a year later, she had a second and even worse car accident, which also did not trigger a spiritual awakening. And about a year later, she had a third and yet worse car accident, which finally triggered a spiritual awakening. So when you see a pattern like this where the same kind of challenge keeps coming back around, and particularly if it comes back in increasingly intense form each time, that is really your soul trying to get your attention 
Uh, and that's something to pay very close attention to because it indicates that there's some aspect of your pre-birth plan that you're not learning the underlying lesson for, and that's why it's coming back in increasingly intense form each time. Okay, awesome. Um, also, there's another wonderful story you tell about, um, you've, I've t- heard you tell about um, the people in our lives, like difficult people, okay, when uh, a close um, family member that just seems to be so difficult. I heard you tell a story about a woman in London. Um, do you remember the story? I, I know which story you're talking about, uh, and I don't recall all the details of it, but basically what happened was uh, there was a woman in England whose mother was dying. She was in the hospital, and uh, a nurse from the hospital called this woman and said, we think that your mother doesn't have long to live. We suggest you come here to say goodbye. So the woman jumped in her car, drove to the hospital as quickly as she could, ran to her mother's hospital room, and when she got there, it, it seemed to her that her mother was unconscious. The mother had been very abusive to this woman as a child growing up. So when this woman saw her there, unconscious but still alive, uh, she just couldn't keep it in anymore, and she started to say things to her mother that she had never said. And, uh, you know, she said, you, you were very abusive to me, and how could you have treated me that way, and so on, and really got it off her chest. And the mother actually was not unconscious, so she allowed the daughter to say what she wanted to say, and then she opened her eyes, and in a moment of recollection of the pre-birth plan, she said, "Uh, sweetheart, I just did what you asked me to do before we were born. So there was somebody who actually had recalled some of the pre-birth plan, uh, a very challenging plan, certainly, but it was one that the two of them had set up and agreed to prior to birth. Exactly. That's that's the important point. Yeah, Joanna. That's kind of. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I Robert shared that with us because when you're dealing with someone that you feel is so difficult, you when you really on a soul level, you ask that person to be that difficult. You ask that person to be that difficult to help you remember who you are. It it sounds, I know for a lot of people are listening to this and probably thinking, uh, I'm crazy, but we do. We, on a soul level, ask people to be difficult um, in, in our pre-birth planning, like you said. And so that's why we, um, again, we have to come to that place of non-judgment and the place of um, just automatic forgiveness without them needing to have to to say I'm sorry. Um, We automatically can forgive because when we know, okay, I asked you to do that. (laughs) Okay, I can forgive you because you're doing exactly what I asked you to do. So it's a beautiful, wonderful question, Joanna. Thank you so much. You still there? Joanna? I'm still here, yeah. Thank you. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Yes, now I hear you. <laughs> okay, um, wonderful. No, thank you question. so much for that. Um, I think a lot of us could really relate to people that are in our lives that really sometimes they're so challenging and it makes no sense to us, but to understand that we're asking them, you know, that we have planned this before we got here at the right. soul level and that, you know, this is part of the plan. It, it makes it a little easier to not even try to understand them, but try to just learn the lesson, whatever it is that they came here to teach us and, you know, right. move on. And not, not hold on to, like a lot of people will hold on to a grudge and, you know, hold on to a lot of negativity surrounding what another person said or what another person did. Um, no, And we not remembering on the soul level, that we asked that person, like um, the story Robert shared where this woman was holding all of this anger towards her mom for not being the perfect mom or the mom she really wanted to have. And on her on her mother's deathbed, she, you know, her mother remembers, okay, you asked me to be this way. You asked me to do this in our pre-birth planning. Okay, that's, that's just 
I I think is an awesome story. That is so awesome. So um, it's I really really um, enjoy the fact that um, we are sharing this information. Um, I I just created my web page for this show. Um, and I put it up a few days ago. But one of the things I did post on there and on um, my beliefs, my my truth, um, I don't want anybody listening to this show to think that I'm trying to preach or convert anybody. I have come to what I feel is true for me from internally. From I've been inspired by authors like Robert and many other authors, but... Um, what resonates as true for me is what I hold as dear as true. And I don't expect anybody else to um, adapt my truth or believe my truth just because I'm saying it or just because Robert is is saying it or any author. Um, I think truth comes from a place of within. Uh, Truth comes from our soul, which is within, and when we sit quietly and truly, um, like Robert, you mentioned earlier how one of the channels can um, access an entity that accesses the Akashic Records. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But we all actually have, we all channel, we all have that ability. We all have that ability to get answers from our soul we sit quietly and listen. Um, so what I'm saying is not to tr- not to believe me, not to believe any author, but to go within. Go within and live your life from what a place of truth from within yourself. So I hope that's making sense because I'm, I'm not here to preach and I'm not here to convert anybody. I'm just here to share my experience with the world. Thank you so much, Joanna, for calling. Okay, and I will see you on Sunday. Okay, Joanna? Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Love you. I love you. I love I'll see you soon. Okay. Okay, Rob. Um, really, really, really enjoying this. I can't believe an hour has almost gone by already. I'm really I know, enjoying it flew by. The, Yeah, yes. I'm really enjoying our conversation. I um, hope you'll be a guest again. Like I said, this is the first of many. I plan we will be on air every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, for those who don't live in the east on the East Coast. Um, and our next, uh, let me tell you about our up, upcoming guests. We have on March 20th, we have Barbara Browski, um, will be, uh, who is a channel, and she's all, she channels her spirit guide by the name of Erin. Um, she also channels Jeshua. Um, and several, a couple of other entities, but her, the main entity that she uh, channels is Aaron, her spirit god. And um, on March 27th, we will have Anne, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, Reverend Anne Purry. She is the author of Stephen Lives, and she also is the founder of the Locust Center in Arizona. Um, we also will have Corby Mitlid on April the 3rd, and she is a certified psychic, and she will be with us on April the 3rd. Okay, we are winding down underneath a minute left, so I will say goodbye. Thank you so much, Robert. I don't want the show to cut off on you. I have like 30, we have like 30 seconds left, so I will say goodbye. And thank you so much for being my first guest. Love you. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure, and you're doing wonderful work. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Okay, we are going to um, say goodbye for this week, 
and I will see everybody next week. Okay. Uh, I don't even know how to turn this off.